Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast hosted by a couple of illiterate boobs that talks about the 90s sitcom news radio one episode at a time. I am your host, Jordan. Here with me, as always, is my lovely wife. I'm not a boob. I'm Kayleen. <laughs> Today, we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 16, entitled Houses of the Holy. Kayleen, I like to ask at the top, how are you doing? I'm great. Yeah? <laughs> I'm just going to switch it up and say, like, I am so fantastic right now. Wow. I know. I made banana bread. Nice. That's all it takes. Sure. (laughs) It smells really good. I haven't had a piece yet. Yeah, it's good. Good. I ate some. And so did the kids. Good. Um, I took our kids out of the county. Yeah. For spring break. Uh, The listeners know because the previous podcast episode with me doing the commentaries went up today. Oh, it did. Yeah. And I wasn't on it. No. Because I was out of the county. It was just me talking to an empty room. I'm guessing you didn't listen to it. I know. I didn't even know that it was, I didn't even know it was put out. I'll listen to it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm good. I said this on the other one, I think, that we recorded, but it's nice to have stuff to look forward to. Summer's coming. Snow is melting. Mostly. It melts. And then we get more. Second winter has yep. come and gone. We've had our fool spring already. Right. I think we're in the mud season. <laughs> That's right. Right now. Yep. Um, but yeah. No, I'm good. I'm fine. Great. Yeah. How are you? I was waiting for you to ask. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be recording. Are you? I love recording. I love making this podcast. I'm so into it. Yeah. Oh. That's really sweet. Yeah. That's it. I'm here too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kayleen, I also like to ask at the top, what have you been watching lately? Why do I forget that you're going to ask me this every time? Um. This is also where I sit and wait for Kayleen to remember what she has watched and what we've watched together. Yeah. So just last night, I started watching something on Netflix. Um, it's like a lineup of comedians that do like 15 minute sets have you seen this it's called like the comedy the comedians of comedy no no that was a sorry that was a that was a thing back in the early 2000s called the comedians of comedy no it's like these like 15 minute episodes of these comedians that just like one goes on the stage it's like watching somebody do stand up and they're just 15 minutes long and they some of them are really funny Hmm. and they were all really different and yeah, I never really watched stand-up comedy until you and I started dating, mm. and it's pretty good. <laughs> there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, um, there's a lot of dreck, but yeah. the stuff that's good is really good. Yeah, so I watched that just like yesterday or last night for a little while. Oh, well, I watched, I skipped around a lot, but I watched a little bit of the most recent season of uh, Married at First Sight. Because I think it was, I don't know if it was just put out on Hulu or I just found it or what. Um, I've seen a few seasons of that show before. I think you've talked about that on this podcast. Yeah, maybe I have. I just, the idea of like marrying somebody that you've never met before, but that a group of professionals that you apparently trust to match you with somebody. Like I I find it the idea of meeting somebody and knowing nothing about them, not even knowing if you're going to be attracted to them, but having a group of people say, no, this person's a good match for you. Like, you should be with this person. Uh, 
I find that interesting. Oh, that's very interesting. Like the idea of like being set up by people who have some expertise in it. Yeah. And I mean, of the five couples that I, and again, like I watched like the first two episodes and then I watched like the last two. I didn't really care about the middle part. Um, But of the five couples that got married, three of them stayed married and they still are. And of like they've done a few seasons now, and like a decent number of them have stayed married, and like have some have had kids now, and yeah, I don't know. I think there's something to be said, I guess, for arranged marriage. Um, I don't feel like it would work for me because I don't feel like I think my like sense of humor, you wouldn't be able to understand it based off of like personality tests or sure. Uh, I think that I can like hide my faults pretty well unless you know me really well. So like, I don't know that they would, I I just don't think I would be an easy person to match. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. The big thing for me with that is I think it would be extremely hit or miss for me to be physically attracted to the person. Yeah. Because even you have said like, you have a hard time understanding which women I find attractive or which I don't. Like you're like, Hey, look at her. Isn't she pretty? And I'm like, meh. Oh yeah, I don't understand. Or then your I tell you, like, you know, I'm super into so and so, and and you're like, really? Yeah, no, I don't understand. Yeah, I think there's just something chemical there. There's just something biological that can't right. be explained. It probably can't be codified in like well, tests and stuff. And some of the marriages, um, like in one of the ones on the most recent season, they just never it it like never worked. <laughs> like I mean, I think they both had good intentions coming in, but like they just did not have the same communication style. They did not have the same sense of humor. And, um, like she just was not really attracted to him. That's, I mean, that sounds bad, but like that's often the case. I feel like it's often the, the woman that's just not as into the guy physically, Mm -hmm. but although the most recent season, the opposite of that was true as well. Hmm. And the guy was, Really rude, actually. Yeah, I think you told me about this. Well, like they got married, and then the next day, he found out his ex girlfriend was pregnant with his baby. So, like, that's not a good classy, real classy. (laughs) That's not a good way to start any relationship, let alone a marriage, let alone a marriage to a stranger. (laughs) But yeah, Um, and then you and I watched something that was really good and now I don't remember what it was we watched like four episodes of it oh we watched Abbott Elementary yeah that was cute it was cute yeah that was fun it follows the office and superstore formula very closely but it's a really diverse cast which is nice and it takes place in an elementary school which is kind of an interesting different setting in elementary school in Philadelphia mm-hmm. um genuinely funny did make us laugh oh yeah like i laughed out loud <laughs> i laughed out loud more times in those four episodes than i have in a season and a half of news radio <laughs> i don't think that's quite true <laughs> but it's maybe. too close for comfort it maybe it may be close <laughs> I guess if I had one complaint about Abbott Elementary, and like you said, we're only four episodes in, is I felt a little claustrophobic because there are so few characters. There's like half a dozen characters, and you are with one of them at all times. It's sort of like, you know, with Superstore 
or even the office, you could go off on tangents with other characters and you'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, it's so-and-so who I haven't seen in three episodes. They're being weird and funny or whatever. Or like a random person would just come in and do something and then leave and you're like, who was that? Yeah. I don't know. And then maybe they come back later. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But we're only four episodes in. So. That's true. Are we going to keep watching? I'd watch it. Okay. Yeah. What have you been watching? Well, we also watched one other thing together. I don't know if you want to talk about it. Did we watch a movie? Kimi? God, that really stuck with you. Like, I... We watched the movie Kimi, which is a techno thriller by Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. It was, I think, quite bad. I... It was, I think, laughably bad for basically the back half of it. The first half I was like, mm, okay, I can be into I mean, this. I don't know what it says about me that I'm having a hard time remembering it right now. And we just watched it a few days ago, right? Or did we watch it before spring break? We watched it about a week and a half ago now. Okay, so that's why. But even so, like, I haven't thought about it at all. It clearly took up no space in my brain. Very forgettable. Yeah. Remind me about it. I don't know if I even remember. It's basically the movie Rear Window, except instead of peering out a window, somebody is listening to um, oh. listening to Alexa commands. <laughs> yeah. Production-wise, it was quite good. Yeah. I mean, like, the cinematography and, like, the... I don't know, yeah. lighting and the set and everything. Like, it looked really pretty and nice, but, yeah, it was so stupid. Yep. It was good. Yeah. Hit and a miss. Swing and a miss. I don't play sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, What else was I going to say? Yeah, that's what we've been watching lately. I've been watching The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, you're still watching that? Yeah, I'm about halfway through season two now. Mm. It's getting weirder, Mm. weirder. Um, Still very funny, though. Mm. What else? I think that's kind of it. I'm excited that the newest season of Better Call Saul is coming to Netflix, because that's when I watch it, is I watch it a year after it comes on AMC, once it comes to Netflix, because we don't have AMC. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to start rewatching that series from the beginning. So we'll see. I probably should watch it, but I kind of don't want to. I know you've watched the first season. I watched the pilot episode last night. I was like, wow, this is so good. Yeah. No, I remember it being good. I I don't know why, for whatever reason, I just didn't stick with it. Maybe this summer I'll watch it. So we like to ask a question at the top. Mm -hmm. This is your question to ask. My question is, what do you remember your parents watching when you were growing up? That's a really good question. That like maybe you weren't allowed to watch or it wasn't for you. So I definitely associate my dad with the Law and Order theme song. Like those two things just kind of go hand in hand. So he watched that. Um, I know he watched Cheers too. I remember him watching, I guess, was it? It wasn't the series finale, but it was late in the series when Kirstie Alley's character burned down the bar. And then she's like... I don't know. Yeah, I never, I never uh, really watched Cheers. My my parents, I think my dad watched Cheers as well. My mom was not ever a huge TV person, so I don't really think that she would go and watch TV. You know what I bet your mom watched? Because I bet my, I'm pretty sure my mom watched it too. Uh, Touched by an Angel. <laughs> you know, I know my grandparents did. 
Yeah. I don't think my mom did. I have no specific memory of her watching any particular program. Mm. Or um, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. You know who loved that? My grandpa, my dad's dad. Oh yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. I watched that. But I remember like I watched I remember watching that like with my parents or my mom. Sure. Dad. One of the big things for us as a family was Sunday nights we would get pizza and watch Lois and Clark. Oh yeah. The new adventures of Superman. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. We did that too. I remember my family watching Rescue Nine One One. Do you remember yeah. that show? Yeah. It was kind of, and obviously America's Funniest Home Videos. Obviously. And then what was the one that Dave Coulier hosted that came on right after it? Oh. It was worse. It was, yeah. So the main thing I remember about that is like there were more sort of skits or sketches that people would send in. It was less like unscripted, like, oh, well, this guy fell off a dock or something. And more like, oh, somebody, you know, did some silly little home video with their camera or whatever. I remember they did one where it was like a baby who was a ninja and it was just <laughs> terrible. It was just awful. Yeah. I remember that being on after America's Funniest Home Videos. I, um, was that after he was on Full House, do you think? America's Funniest People. Yes. Yeah. I knew it was something like America's Funniest something or other. Yeah. Should I tell my America's Funniest Home Video story? Please. No, we would watch that as a family. And once I remember we were all watching it and a video came on where there were two dogs, like one big dog laying on the sidewalk or something. And another like little chihuahua came over and ran over next to it and lifted its leg and started peeing on it. (laughs) And my dad said, we are never watching this show again. (laughs) He was so offended. A dog peeing on another dog. Sick. I will not subject my children to this. This is supposed to be family entertainment. (laughs) I don't think if there's anything else. Oh, Unsolved Mysteries. That was one, like, we would watch sometimes. We did that, too. I think it was a little too intense for us. And so we got, like, scared. Yeah, I mean. It was scary. It was spooky. It was kind of like, are you afraid of the dark for adults? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Great question. Yeah. Nicely done. I just pulled that out of thin air. Great. All right. Should we get into the episode? Please. So we are talking about Houses of the Holy. This first aired March 10th, 1996. It was written by Don DeKaiser, Brian Kelly, Joe Fury, and Paul Sims. And it was directed by Greg Heshong. We have a new number one of the box office. One that I know that we've both seen. Mighty Ducks. Uh, it was number one for four weeks in a row, the most weeks of any movie at, in 1996, and that is The Birdcage. Oh, yeah, we watched that not that long ago, right? When we first moved into this house, we yeah, watched few, it. It's yeah. like a few years ago, I feel like we yeah. watched that. That's a pretty good movie. I was pleasantly surprised. I, I mean, enjoyed it. You know my story about that movie, right? No, go ahead and tell them. I know it, but... <laughs> uh, so, middle school group of boys and girls hanging out at a friend's house, watching a movie. For some reason, the movie we all watched was The Birdcage. Uh, but I didn't watch it because I was making out for the first time. <laughs> so 
So you've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard the birdcage. Um, making up quite poorly, I might add. I had to wipe my chin afterward. Ugh. And I had braces, and so my mouth was sore afterward. Ugh. I know. I know. It's like a rite of passage you just have to go through. Yeah. Like, how does this work? <laughs> so yeah. I will always associate the birdcage with um, middle school makeout session. Sure. I had never seen it, um, and we watched it a few years ago. Like you said, when we moved in here, we got Indian food and watched the bird cage. Yeah. It was okay. It was okay, yeah. I, I mean, Robin It was Williams, clearly not for a 13-year-old. Uh, no. Like, I'm, I'm sure I didn't have any idea what I was watching, well, or listening to. Yeah, Robin Williams was great. I like Nathan Lane, too. Oh. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's the only number one worth talking about this okay. week. So, the synopsis of the episode... Catherine is out sick, so Bill puts Joe on the air in order to frustrate Dave's plans. Meanwhile, Beth becomes enamored of Mr. James' weird nephew, Theo, guest star David Cross. In the first scene, Mr. James comes in to ask Dave to talk to his weird nephew, Theo, about a job in the radio industry. Uh, Catherine has called in sick, and Beth is trying to tell Dave. She's got a little note, uh, but she keeps getting interrupted by Mr. James. So Matthew comes in with some of his herbal tea which apparently smells really bad. They've described it a couple different ways, burning sneakers and urine. Those are totally different smells. Yeah, sometimes when something smells really bad, it's hard to like label or I disagree. analogize. Like, it smells bad in this particular no, way. I'm sorry, I disagree. Really? I, I have a very specific nose. You know that. I feel like I, I know what smells are. <laughs> I know what urine smells like. We have two small children. I know what urine smells like. And I know what burning rubber smells like or burning sneakers. Yeah. They're not the same. They're both very evocative. <laughs> fair fair enough. It's also weird to me that he made this tea and he had like nine cups of it. Well, he was trying to make it for everybody. He was trying to like offer it to sure. other people in the office. But it's also like if you make tea, you keep it in a teapot so it stays hot. If you don't put it into cups. I was impressed though with Andy Dick's ability to spin around and I was quite pleased that there was liquid in those cups. There was, yes. Yes, because I, I was watching closely Yeah, because I was about to be irritated. Um, those cups... Remind me so much of going to church in the 80s. Oh, with like the little wings. Yes, on the little them. wings that fold into like a handle. Like yeah. I, I remember adults standing around drinking bad no. coffee. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know there's bad coffee because I wasn't drinking it, but it, it couldn't have been good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wasn't great. Out of those little cups that mm-hmm. were like white on the top and then had like a sunset pattern on the yeah. bottom. That was it. That was just a really evocative <laughs> uh, material good. So Theo is played by David Cross. Kayleen, what do you know David Cross from? Oh, honey. Nothing. I recognize him. Wasn't he on like one of those? I always get these two shows confused. It's always Sunny in Philadelphia or Arrested Development. He was on Arrested Development. Okay, I was like, he was on one of those two shows. Yep. Um, I know he's like an actor who's well known and has been in a lot of stuff, but I don't. Yeah, he's been in a ton of things. I'm just wondering if there's anything that. No. Yeah, I'm looking through his filmography and I guess there's nothing here that's like obviously where you would know him from. He was the attendant at the morgue in Men in Black. Remember Vincent D'Onofrio, who's been possessed, comes in. Where do you keep your dead? 
Do you remember that long yes. scene? Okay. Yes. Uh, let's see. You were asking me about Sorry to Bother You. I was? Yes. The movie Sorry to Bother You. Okay. You just asked, had mm. I seen that? And he plays one of the voices. Mm. Okay. Fair. Fair. So, yeah, he's a comedian. He's been in a lot of different things over the years. Dave sort of thinks that Mr. James is going to give him Theo's number and he'll call him sometime, but uh, Theo's waiting right outside. Theo is this weird mopey dude. I don't know if you noticed how he shook Dave's hand when he first came in. Yes, I did notice. (laughs) I think even before he has a line, he shakes Dave's hand in a way that I've never seen another human shake hands. So how I would imagine a squirrel shaking hands. Absolutely. Or like a raccoon. Yeah, today I saw a video on Instagram of someone trying to get their pet chinchilla to hold a stick. Which sounds yeah like a dream I had, but they had the chinchilla sitting on the edge of the counter, and they kept taking this like very small, thin stick and handing it to it, and he'd be able to like hold on for just a second, then he would drop it because like it doesn't quite have yeah. the like ability ability to grasp. Sure. Anyway, the way the chinchilla held the stick reminds me of how he shakes Dave's hand. Mm. That's a that's a niche joke. That's for three other people, most of whom aren't listening to the podcast. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Theo is a really mopey weirdo, but as soon as he sees Beth, he's super into Beth. So I noticed that Dave is dressed like a funeral director. He's dressed in an all black suit. I noticed that too, that he was wearing a lot of dark clothing. This is another episode that takes place over a single day. So he's wearing that suit all day long. Matthew comes in with more of his smelly tea and he gets dizzy while spinning around with the tea on kind of the, uh, the platter and, uh, he falls backward onto Dave's coffee table and breaks it. It's a pretty good pratfall, I thought. No. I hope one time in this show I will think it's funny. (laughs) I'm just curious now because I really don't think this happens every time. Like, I don't think that's the button on the cold open every single time is Matthew doing a pratfall, but it's a lot more than I remembered it being. Mm -hmm. That's all. After the credits... We are in the break room. Lisa is eating popcorn for breakfast in the break room. Dave comes in and she says, I know I don't have an eating disorder. So weird. That was a weird joke. I've had popcorn for breakfast. That's a weird thing to have for breakfast. Yeah, it is, but who cares? You can eat weird stuff for breakfast. I mean, yeah, of course. Mind your business. Well, eat it at home. If <laughs> <laughs> you're going to eat popcorn for breakfast, eat I can it at eat home. popcorn where I want. <laughs> So Dave wants to put Lisa on the air to fill in for Catherine, uh, but she convinces him to run it by Bill and Matthew first. Apparently this comes from some book on Japanese management technique. Dave runs it by Matthew, and Matthew thinks that he should do it. Um, His line is, screw experience, I want to do it. And Dave says, you're an only child, aren't you? I just... I I feel like Andy actually has a, an argument there that he could make that yeah, she has more experience. I would like more experience. You should put me on the air. Oh. Like yeah. That's a super easy, like, not just bratty child. I want it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can make an argument really easily that, like, this is an opportunity for me to get more experience, and I'd really like it. Yeah. That is the, like, three notches more intelligent version right. of what he said. Right. So I like the way that the staging is done while this is happening kind of around Matthew's desk. Um, with Dave talking to Matthew and then Lisa kind of passing by. In the background, Beth is trying to avoid Theo. She's literally running away from him into the Mm -hmm. break room. Uh, So he finds her, and then when Mr. James comes in, Mr. James goads Theo into telling Beth that he's actually a magician as opposed to just a... 
Motivational speaker. Motivational speaker. So Theo does a few magic tricks for her, including finding a $100 bill in her bra and then making it poof in a spark and smoke, as well as pulling a rabbit out from under a blanket that she ends up holding. What did you think of the little magic bits? That was my, I I wrote lol, but it wasn't a lol exactly. I was just sort of charmed. It was very cute and sweet. And I really liked how he was sort of, then he like, uh, stormed out of the room. Like he was embarrassed. (laughs) Like like doing those tricks was compulsory. Yes. (laughs) He couldn't stop. I love the way he like kind of goes through it, like by rote. Right. This weird deadpan, like, oh, yes. here you go. Look at yes. this. Okay, here it is. All right, here you go. And then he's, yeah, he stops out and he goes, are you happy now? Fine. Uh, I'm a magician. I do magic tricks. Stupid, dumb, moronic magic tricks. Are you happy? Oh, what? Could I see one? Okay, fine. Yay! Fine. <laughs> now, ma'am, we've never met before. Is that correct? Correct. Do you have a $100 bill? No. Check your bra. Hi, may I see that, please? Thank you very much. Whoa! Oh, where did it go? (laughs) What time is it, young lady? Oh, I don't know my watch. Oh, it's it's gone. I believe this belongs to you. No. I'm sorry it's wet. Let's dry it off with this Herman household scarf. Now, I believe you have something that belongs to me. Are you happy now? The way Theo does the magic tricks reminds me of the Patton Oswalt's bit about the magician. Do you remember this one? Uh, there's a very famous bit of Patton Oswalt's where he talks about seeing a magician when he was a new comic and the magician got cheated out of $5 by the booker. And so he did all of his tricks just in a really angry deadpan voice. Like he would do the trick and go there, see, and throw it down and then do the next one and go there, see. So Aww. it just reminds me of that bit. Huh. Uh, right. So then there's the bunny. I love the look on Beth's face when she's holding the bunny. She is yeah. just so, like you said, charmed. Yeah. And so she's like petting the bunny and then she hands it to Mr. James. And he says, you smell. <laughs> I feel like that about, it reminded me sort of how one would like hold a baby. Yes. Like when you get a baby and you're like, oh, this baby is so cute. And you stink. (laughs) Like, you're still cute, but you're yucky. Yes. One thing I noticed, and this is not quite a 90s reference or anything, but I just noticed that part of Theo's magic trick involved taking something out of the microwave. That is a giant microwave. Yeah, but you know what? When you pointed that out to me, I had a memory all of a sudden of the microwave that I grew up with, and it was very large. It was like that. Like I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but like I do remember having, or like the first place I ever worked had a microwave in the break room and it was enormous and it was the type of dial that you turn. Yes. Like, yes. You, it's like a timer, like yes. a literal timer. You turn it to like two and then That's it gets right. two minutes. So it, it tracks for me. Oh no. My yeah. grandparents had one like that too on the farm. Then that's the kind of microwave I remember seeing. Mm-hmm. The handle to open the microwave is like almost the same size as the handle to open our oven door now. <laughs> yes. Like it's this giant bolted on thing. Yes, yes. So Joe is fixing Dave's coffee table with bright blue tape. Um, Bill walks in and says, Dave, and it immediately collapses. Yeah, I wrote down like, I don't understand that Joe can somehow fix 
soundboards and computers and build remote controls from nothing and whatever. And he can't fix a fucking table. Like, I could have fixed that table. <laughs> the way that it was taped was so stupid. Yeah, I know. It was so dumb. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> His technical ability varies according to the needs of the show. Yes. So Bill wants to cover Catherine's absence himself. Bill, I need your advice. As you know, uh, Catherine called in sick today, and we need to figure out who should fill in for her in the booth. Me. Not going to handle it myself. No, I think it's too much for one person. I think we should strongly consider Lisa. How about my friend Eddie from Chicago? <laughs> Eddie, is he a real person or just a different voice? Different voice. Then no. What if Eddie were from India? Uh, when Dave says no to that, he says, well, maybe my friend Eddie from Chicago. And he does a nice Chicago accent. I think that's pretty accurate. It sounds like Phil Hartman doing a Chicago accent rather than sounding like a different person to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And then he also says, well, what if Eddie was from India <laughs> using an Indian accent? Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't land in 2022. No, it was not offensive, but it was also like, uh, yeah. yeah, just in general, white people doing accents of people of color is just not, not super cool. No, I get it. It's just too bad because accents are fun. Mm-hmm. Like accents are fun to do. It's fun to notice how i mean i do this all the time you can attest like it's fun to notice how other people from different parts of the u.s and parts of the world talk Mm -hmm. and the phonology of it is interesting to me and so it's kind of like oh and it's sad that that's like not cool anymore because like well i think what you're describing is not what he's doing he's doing a stereotype and you're doing something that actually is trying to be accurate and interested i guess i guess yeah just makes me a little sad because like I like doing accents, but I also am aware that like, oh, I got to be careful about which well, accents I do. And are you doing it as a joke? Well, it's tricky because you have to understand what the joke is. Like, is the joke like, look at the way I'm talking. Isn't the way that somebody who talks like this ridiculous? Right. But it could also just be like, that could also not be the punchline. The punchline could be something else. Mm-hmm. I think it's just showcasing Phil Hartman's ability That's to do what, accents. I'm like, I think he just likes to do voices. Yeah. Put a pin in that. So when he is told no, Bill secretly puts Joe on the air. And it turns out that Joe is a better broadcaster than expected. He's able to answer technical questions about uh, Tina Lysis, about a cold front in the weather, about a historic post office in New York, that sort of thing. Well, uh, what's new in Washington, Joe? I can't seem to locate my news report here, but if memory serves correct, the story was on Capitol Hill today, Senator Patrick Moynihan's plans for a new federally funded Penn Station died in committee today. The bill would have moved the train station across the street to the historic post office building. WNYX News Time, 1221. Uh, thanks, Joe. Uh, by the way, what's so historic about the post office building? Built in 1908, the post office building was designed by Tim White, one of the earliest proponents of interchangeable machine-made steel girders. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I guess those two weeks in New York City tour guide school paid off after all. Hey, Bill. This is foreshadowing for the Joe Rogan show. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You've never even listened to it. Yes, I have. The Joe Rogan show? Absolutely, I have. When I started listening to podcasts, because my husband was really into listening to podcasts and would talk about podcasts all the time, mm-hmm. so I thought, I should find out more about these podcasts. And I 
had heard that his podcast was really popular. And so his was one of the first ones I listened to. Who was the who was the guest when you listened to it? I don't even remember. I just remember listening to it and being like, This is two bros. Yeah. Talking. Yes. And like they really think they know what they're talking about. Yes. And I don't find this interesting. Yeah. I'm not I would not call myself a fan of his podcast, but I have listened to it a fair bit. And if you get the right guest, it can be really interesting. So he mm-hmm. interviewed I mean he's interviewed a, a lot, lot of people, people I've listened yeah. to and enjoyed. He interviewed a an English philosopher named Will McCaskill, who's really involved in the like effective altruism movement. And it was mm-hmm. fascinating. Like Joe Rogan was super into just like listening to him mm-hmm. explain philosophy and stuff. And that guy's also just really good on podcasts. So right. when they mash up, Joe Rogan can actually be a good interviewer, but I'm not taking any sides. What here. I didn't like about Joe Rogan is I felt like he he's very good at being curious and that is and that is interesting and i am also a curious person so like that is enjoyable but he seems like the type of person that would be like i interviewed this philosopher and i learned a lot so now i know about philosophy that's right yeah <laughs> like i got it right like no <laughs> yeah and then you listen to him talk to another mma fighter and it's a totally different thing and you're like i i i sure i can't do it i yeah. think i've tuned out after about 5 minutes the one time i tried to listen to him do that so I want to point out that there's another reference to Edward R. Murrow. No. His name came up a few episodes ago when Bill talked about the legacy of Edward R. Murrow. This was when he was going to get interviewed by the Wall Street Journal guy. And there's also another reference to Thomas Edison. He's talked about Thomas mm-hmm. Edison in reference to Joe before. So Bill has two great lines in this scene. Uh, like a classic Bill McNeil line is, don't try to confuse me with the facts. Hmm. Okay. That's one that gets quoted a lot. And another one is trying to reason with savages is thirsty business. Okay. I just think they're both funny. They're both uh, applicable a lot of the time. Huh. You're arguing with somebody online. You can just throw up an image with Bill McNeil in his headphones pointing at somebody saying, don't try to confuse me with the facts. I've never heard that before. And when you're losing an argument, you can say trying to reason with savages is thirsty business. <laughs> okay. The scene ends with Theo pulling a dove out of Bill's coat pocket. I just love the way that like Beth and Theo come up to Bill and Bill's like, "Who the hell are you?" And then yeah. Theo just pulls a dove out of his pocket. In the next scene, we find out that Beth took a long lunch with Theo. She finds him intriguing, while Lisa finds him disgusting. I thought this was actually way too harsh on Lisa's part. Like, Oh, yeah. She doesn't even know him. Yeah. And what doesn't is, even interact yet. What hardly. is so disgusting about him? Like, I mean, he has a kind of creepy vibe. I don't think he's playing a creepy character, but I think no. he easily could. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, disgusting is not the word I would use. Maybe creepy is maybe a word I would use or awkward. Yeah. Apparently Theo... Pulled another magic trick. He was able to pull a quarter out of Beth's mouth with his tongue. That's disgusting. <laughs> Coins are gross. They are. That's That was my first thought as well. Yeah. I was like, that is full of germs. Yeah. Uh, also, choking hazard. Yeah. Unsafe. Yeah. Until we've got kids. <laughs> Don't put that in your mouth. Yeah. So Bill walks into Dave's office again. Now there's yellow tape on the desk. You notice that mm-hmm. like there's three yes. times and yes. each time it's got a different primary color. Bill says Dave and makes it collapse again. Apparently they're getting a ton of positive calls about Joe's presence on the air, sort of much to Bill's chagrin. So Cindy from the Bronx says, 
that Joe is all that in a bag of chips. So Bill admits that he thought Joe being on the air would make Bill look better. And Dave says, ah, so you're hoisted on your own petard. <laughs> and then there is a then there is a joke about uh, a word that rhymes with petard that also does not go over super yeah. well 25 years later. No. So we realize that Joe maybe has some, like, photographic memory because he's able to repeat the report that... Bill takes away from him and crumples up without looking at it. I mean, it's nice that he clearly is like taking it seriously. Like he's trying to do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And he also apparently spent two weeks in New York city tour guide school. So he does know a lot about the city. Hmm. When he comes out of the booth, Joe finds that Matthew is uh, trying to fix his computer. So he's taking apart his computer and he's just kind of like reaching in and grabbing circuit boards and like banging at them with a hammer. He looks like he's never held a hammer before in his life. What's up, dude? What's going on? I am fixing my computer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> good, 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 good. I found a problem. Look, I figure that if you can do my job, I can certainly do yours, Joseph. Huh, cool, have fun. How do you like my fake radio voice? Really wasn't listening. Huh. Matthew has made sparks shoot out across the office <laughs> because capacitors store energy when it's not being used. This is this is where I learned what a capacitor is. Hmm. And um, is it a flux capacitor? I mean, a flux capacitor is something that stores energy and can hold. 1.21 gigawatts, you know? Send a DeLorean back in time. That's right. I feel like this scene reminded me a little, or this moment reminded me of how many people in the last few years are, you know, now experts on epidemiology. Did I say right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, foreign policy. Right. And all of these different things. Like, I, I read something or I watched something, so now I know about it. Like, I would love it if, like... Dr. Fauci was like, oh, <laughs> you can do my job. And then like went into a post office and was like, then I'm going to do your job. Yeah. That'd be kind of a funny SNL sketch. Or like, I don't know, as somebody who works in schools, the number of people who think that they know exactly what schools need to do in order to be better or fixed, despite the fact that they haven't set foot in a public school since they were a student in one. Like, I would love to go into your place of work and be like, oh, I can do this. Listen, I had a bunch of teachers. Uh, yeah. I think I know a thing or two about teaching. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I've been to the dentist twice a year for decades. Yeah. Uh, open your mouth up. I can do this. Yeah, that's right. First I, they use the pointy one. Yeah. And then they use the squirty and then they use the suction thing. The sucky straw. Yeah. I know. It's fine. So Beth and Theo come back into the office. Beth is feeling kind of dismayed. She tells Lisa that, quote, the magic is gone. Apparently, she badgered Theo enough to tell her how the illusions were done, and then he did. She is disappointed because she thought they were real. That's kind of cute. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and she says, you know, it's like how you believe that Dave is sexy. But it was really beautiful while the fantasy was alive. You know, it's like how you believe that Dave is sexy. <laughs> Sexy. Oh yeah, I know. He is. 
You know, Theo makes me think he's doing one thing, and he's really just doing another. He's just like every other guy I've been out with, except he uses props. Gabe is sexy. I know. He's hot. That mm-hmm. actually was a lol for me. Yeah? When, when Bess says, I know. He is hot. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but again, gross. She's talking about her boss. Yeah, that's right. Lisa, yeah. come on. I know. Don't be talking about Dave that way. Yeah. Back in the booth, Bill is wrapping up the McNeil perspective. Um, I don't think we've really heard much of that in the show so far, but that's his, like, segment where he mm-hmm. weighs in with his opinions is the McNeil perspective. Mm. So I just think that's maybe the first time we've heard it. Won't be the last. So Bill gets Joe off the air by making up a fake Mario Cuomo quote. According to the report that he made up, what did Mario Cuomo say, Kayleen? Six chic seeks sell sheep by the seashore. (laughs) (laughs) The sixth sheik's sixth sheep's sick. Okay. The sixth sheik's six sheep's sick. That was pretty good. So Bill interrupts and says, oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, We're having some technical difficulties. Please don't panic. <laughs> the idea that anybody would be thrown into a panic. So Bill get, tries to take Joe off the air for this reason. Dave tries to reinstall Joe back in the booth. And then it turns out that uh, Lisa actually made up most, if not all, of those positive calls about Joe just to irritate Bill. I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was really great. It's a line I remembered, which is Matthew stepping up and saying, Six sheep, six sheep, six sheep. Can I go on the air now? So he thinks that that's what it, that's is. What it was. <laughs> I actually asked our oldest to say that line the other day. Yeah. And he, he I, I said it to him the exact way I said it just a few minutes ago. The sixth sheep's sixth sheep's sick. And he said, six sheep, six sheep, six sheep. Aww. So another example of Matthew as a child. Lisa is kind of um, teasing Bill and saying, I'm sorry that Joe did not the illiterate boob that you thought he was. Well, what about all those phone calls? I made those up. Why on earth would you do something like that? To drive you crazy. Well, it didn't work. Don't yell at me because Joe is not the illiterate boob you thought he was. All right, everyone settle down. You thought I was an illiterate boob? Lisa's worse, not mine. He also said he could kick your ass one-handed. <laughs> now that's just a lie. Say that, man? Oh, come on, Joe, it's me. Can I say something right here? Six sheep, six sheep, six sheep. There, now, can I go on the air, please? Everyone just... At that moment, Catherine comes back in. She is pretending to be well enough to go on the air, and she gets into the booth, and she turns out that she is still very sick, but she does not like hearing Joe on the air doing her job. I was going to say, this reads as very not cool to be in a closed booth. <laughs> With 104 fever and a cough. Like, yeah, but this is pre-COVID oh, times. So absolutely. Like, like, I mean, I think about how many times I've gone to work sick. Yes. I have gone to work so sick <laughs> I know. before because it was just like more work to stay home. I just think it's so funny that I find myself so sensitized to it now. Like, Oh, yeah. You have a hundred, well, 104 fever, like, shouldn't you be in the hospital? I mean, not, I mean, not hospital, but definitely, like, you should not be up and moving around. Yeah. But I, w- I would be surprised if you would feel even like you could get up and move around. 
But yeah, in a closed space when you're coughing. Yeah. After two years of a respiratory well, airborne pandemic. Now we're told, if you have a sore throat, you better stay home. Yeah, that's right. So Beth breaks it off with Theo as he's getting into the elevator. Um, he does this kind of whiny, but we made out. And she goes, I know, I'm sorry. When Sometimes after two people make out, they grow apart. He gives her a, the beginning of a string of handkerchiefs that ends with the banner, Don't Leave Me, Beth, which... That's pretty impressive. That was, That's yeah. pretty like uh, forward thinking to have that ready well, to go. He's like, this has happened before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I did write that like this whole, the whole choreography of this scene was so stilted and awkward. Like mm-hmm. they're standing in the elevator doors yes. and they're kind of pushing them together. Yeah, yes. And then she takes a step forward and he takes a step back. Like, it was just. Yes. Yeah. It felt like very poorly blocked. Mm. Like, I don't know who directed that scene in particular, but it didn't feel natural at all. Yeah. Like, I get what they were trying to do. They were trying to get Beth out of the elevator, him in the elevator. That the You know, like, I understood what they were trying to get at, but yes, they got there in a really weird way. Yeah, it was a little ham-fisted. I do like the little flourish that David Cross does after he hands her the string of handkerchiefs. and She starts pulling him out of his sleeve. He goes like... Yes, I noticed that as well. <laughs> So she and Mr. James go back into Dave's office and uh, Theo is somehow there waiting for them. She genuinely screams mm-hmm. like she gives like a real frightened scream. And then she says, I don't know how you did that, but seriously, no. <laughs> Mr. James says to Theo, let her go, son. It's Chinatown. I don't know what that means. Do you know? No. You're not familiar with the movie Chinatown? No. Okay. It's a very famous movie from the 70s. Oh. I, I watched it a few years ago when I was kind of on my like classic movies kick and it didn't stick out in my, my head, but I'm not a film guy. Hmm. So that's one of the, I think that's the last line of the movie is let it go. Son, it's Chinatown. So this time there is red tape on the coffee table. Bill shows them a quote unquote magic trick. He walks in and says, Dave, and it collapses a third time. And that is the end of the episode. I bet the prop people had fun rigging that up. Yeah, I bet so. So that's the end of the episode. Keeling, I know you like to rate the storylines. There are only two in this one. Mm-hmm. I liked the Beth and Theo storyline best. And then the the Joe and the radio booth storyline second. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree with you. I kind of like Beth's love life. I find <laughs> it kind of funny. Okay. Like the episode where she had like the naked pictures or yeah. when she kissed bill she's just kind of uh unpredictable and i kind of like that she's a firecracker yeah there's things about her i still find so annoying i don't know she's but, weird for the sake of being weird but she's growing on you isn't she mm, yeah stop grinning <laughs> <laughs> all right that's all i've got this is uh, another episode where the scenes are really long like sometimes you know there are these cuts and i have to say like in the next scene eight different times, but this one is really like three acts. Pretty, pretty straightforward. So Kayleen, now it's time for, it's the nineties. That's right. Yo, it's the nineties. All I have is all that in a bag of chips. Same. That's it. You have to do. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever say that to somebody? No, I remember hearing it. 
And I remember hearing it right about this time. I guess like 96. Yeah, like I remember it. hearing it in middle school. Exactly right to me. Do you remember the bomb.com? No, what's that? You've never heard that? Oh, oh you like you're like the bomb. The, yeah, like, yeah, like it's the bomb.com. <laughs> no, I don't. Or cool beans. Yeah. I bet cool beans way predated. Oh, I'm sure it that. did. Yeah. The bomb diggity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking of other like things like that. Well, if we don't have any 90s references, I guess that means it's time for... Oh, God. I'm going to do so bad. You don't even know what it is. It's the game. Kayleen, in this episode, Theo is a stage magician. In this game, I want you to name some other fictional stage magicians. Oh my god! So like, David what? Copperfield would not be one of them. Oh no. Right? Like, Houdini wouldn't be one of them. Correct. David Blaine. But also, Gandalf would not be one of them because he's a real magic user. He's not an illusionist. So the answers oh, to each God. of these are someone who is fictional, <laughs> but someone who is doing stage or performative magic. It's like Harry Potter wouldn't be one because they're actually using magic. Correct. This is not going to go well. And actually, I don't think I stated that quite right. I think I'm going to give you the names and you've got to tell me like what show or movie or whatever they're from. Okay. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Uh, okay. Question number one. Karnak the Magnificent was a recurring comedy role played by this late night host. Oh, Johnny Carson. That's right. On? The Late Show. On The Night Show. On The Show with Johnny Carson. Late late night, Johnny Carson. Do you know what show he hosted? Here's Johnny. Johnny Carson hosted The Carson Show. Johnny Carson. <laughs> You'll get there eventually. That'd be the Tonight Show. Okay. I'll give it to it's you. It's on tonight. <laughs> all those show names are so dumb. They're no, all just like the Late Show, I, the Late I, Late Show, the Tonight Show. Absolutely. Late, late, late Night With. Yeah. yeah. Question number two. Robert, the great Danton Angier, and Alfred, the Professor Borden, were competing stage magicians in this film. The Prestige. Very good. The film that made Jordan and I have an actual fight. We had an actual fight over that We one. were really angry. And I still don't think we've ever come to a... Con- like, I still just think we communicated past each other. I think you're right. Like, I just think both of us were really had heels dug in yes. about our own position. And yes. just weren't even really talking about the same thing. But, yeah. I, I just loved that movie. I thought it was amazing. And I was... I was into exactly what it was doing. And, and I did not like what they were doing. did not like it. And I was wrong. But you were wrong. And we were both wrong. And then we had to but sleep in separate... But you were way separate, more wrong. We had to sleep in separate rooms that night. I don't think we did. I think we did. We watched it a few times. I bought it for you as a gift one time. I know, almost as a gag gift. Almost, yeah. We should watch it again. We should. I bet it's good. 
Yeah. Christopher Nolan. Then we'll have a fight. <laughs> I still think it's great. Mm. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Save that juice for the next podcast. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Question number three. In this episode of News Radio, David Cross is playing the magician. Mm-hmm. There is a TV show where David crosses on that show and his character's brother-in-law, Job Bluth, is an illusionist and escape artist. Is that Arrested Development? It is. Okay. Congratulations. That's the only one that I know because we talked about it earlier. I know. Uh, Good. That was, a, that was a softball. A little bit. A little bit. I'll take it. I, I mean. I need beach balls over here, so... <laughs> Question number four. Professor Marvel is a charlatan fortune teller traveling through the American Midwest in this movie. The Wizard of Oz? That is correct. Yes! (laughs) Very good. I didn't know if that was his name. Yeah. Question number five. Barney Stinson is one of the main characters on this TV show. He often uses magic tricks, and illusions to impress women. How I Met Your Mother. Very good. You got it. Barney. Mm -hmm. Yes. Played by? Neil Patrick Harris. A real-life magic aficionado. Really? Mm -hmm. Doogie Howser. That's right. Had a small crush on him. That was another show my family watched, I think. Did you? I think so. I remember watching Doogie Howser. I remember it being on, but I don't. That's a little more 80s than 90s, I think. Yeah. Question number six. Quentin Coldwater is an amateur magician and the main character of this book series. The Magicians. Very good. These are, whew, we're playing beach volleyball over here. I didn't think that, I mean. No, not, these are, I can't believe I'm getting these. Yeah, I don't think I'm giving you easy ones. Yeah, that was such a great book series. That would be a good recommendation. Yeah. If you're looking for a good book to read, and, you've, and if you're an adult that kind of likes Harry Potter, and you want like a grown-up Harry Potter, The Magicians is really good. Yes. Not the TV show, though. That's garbage. I never watched it. Not good. Did you watch, watch I it? I watched like two episodes and I, and I, well, I know you were very against watching it because the show's never as good as the book, but I like to give it a try and no, I suppose if you would never read the books, maybe it would, it would hold up, but yeah. Yeah. Question number seven. Professor Hinkle is the owner of a magical hat in this 1969 animated special. Frosty the Snowman. That's correct. I'm doing pretty good. Our oldest was obsessed with that when he was little. What did he call it again? He used to, he used to look me in the eyes and say, Fuzzy Newman. That's right, Fuzzy Newman. <laughs> I was like, what are you saying? Fuzzy Newman. Fuzzy Newman. Question number eight. The lead character of this NBC sitcom was, among other things, an enthusiastic but incompetent magician. The lead character? The lead character of this NBC sitcom. Mm, give a hint. This is so general. but I know, it's really general. You know the answer to this. I would bet all the money to my name <laughs> in the world that you know the answer to this. It's just really general. Say the question one more time. The lead character of this NBC sitcom was, among other things, an enthusiastic but incompetent magician. Uh, I don't know. 
If I feel like, I feel like if I thought about it longer, I probably could come up with it, but I don't know. That would be the office. What? Who's a magician on the... Oh, Michael, Michael Scott. Michael Scott went to magic camp. Oh, He yeah. did that bit when he was trying to escape from the straight jacket yeah, and couldn't find the true. key. That's true. Okay. That's a little bit of a stretch. Oh. That's a little bit of a stretch. Well, I, I mean, there are... I think calling him a magician is... There's a line between being a magician and being somebody who can do magic tricks. Like, at what point is somebody who does, ma- like, some magic tricks a magician? I would say he's an enthusiastic but incompetent magician. But he's not a magician. He's an aspiring magician. Magic, magic, magic. (laughs) Question number nine. Fruit Pie the Magician is a mascot appearing on this brand of fruit pies. Fruit pie? Fruit pies. All I can think of are those, like, weird wax paper fruit pies from like mcdonald's or like the ones you can get like vending machines fruit pie Mm -hmm. what brand hostess that is correct (laughs) do you want to see fruit pie the magician (laughs) sure (laughs) like is this like a twinkie ho-ho absolutely yes cosmic brownie type of situation i'm showing kayleen the image of fruit pie the magician what is he? He's a fruit pie. Selling fruit pies. You know what he looks like? Hmm. Um, Grimace's cousin. <laughs> he could be a cousin of Grimace. Is that like being a friend of Dorothy? Oh, those are the fruit pies I was thinking of. Yeah. Hostess fruit pies. Ah. I didn't know there was a little creature on there. I think he was discontinued in like 97 or something. Huh. A little creature. <laughs> Hello, little creature. <laughs> All right, question number 10, last one. The incredible Burt Wonderstone is a stage magician portrayed by the same actor as another answer in this game. So you want the actor? What do you want? The actor. The incredible Burt Wonderstone is a film. The lead character, the title character, is played by an actor who's the same as another answer already in this game. What were the answers I gave in this game? Um, Johnny Carson, The Prestige, uh, Arrested How Development, How I Met Frosty Your Mother, the Snowman. Uh, Wizard of Oz, The Office. So none of these answers were actors. But you want me to name an actor? I'm confused. The Incredible Burt Wonderstone is a film. Its title character is portrayed by an actor. That actor also portrayed a stage magician we've talked about in this game. Neil Patrick Harris. That is incorrect. Steve Carell. That is correct. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard. It was really hard to find 10 fictional stage performers because like you look up lists of like magicians, magicians, they're real ones. You either get, yeah, you either get David Copperfield or you get Gandalf. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> that's, that's not... That's a wizard, too. I know. All right, you got... Eight. Seven. Six. Five. You got eight correct. Yay! This is, I think, your best score ever. This is my best score ever. Very nice. 
Fictional magicians. Magic, magic, magic. Okay. Sorry. Now is the point in the show where we recommend. Kayleen, do you have anything you'd like to recommend this week? Um, I have a really dumb thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. I recommend buying bananas because I just feel like they're so versatile. We always have bananas and they are just on our counter. And sometimes our kids eat them or I'll put them in oatmeal or I'll put them in a smoothie. And then sometimes I buy them and I just forget about them for like two weeks. But then they turn brown and they're perfect for banana bread. Mm. So I'm going to recommend bananas. Because if you haven't bought bananas in a while, you should, because they're they're good fruit and they have lots of potassium. And I think it's just, just in my mind because I made banana bread tonight and it was pretty good. Very nice. I just find that I never throw out bananas. Mm. Like there are certain like fruits or vegetables that we'll buy that just end up going bad because we don't eat them or get to them. But yep. I very, very rarely throw out a banana. Yeah, because you can always make banana bread with it. Or freeze it yeah. with a smoothie or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you can even, even if you, if it gets really, really black, you can even unpeel it. Don't freeze a banana in the peel. I learned that the hard way because right. you can't peel it off. Yeah. But peel it, put it in your freezer, and then, yeah, put it in a smoothie. Nice. So I have two thoughts about bananas. <laughs> One is that banana features into some of my favorite flavor combinations. Like, I love chocolate and banana together. Did you know that there's a Shark Tank product that actually hollows out a banana, and so you can fill it with whatever filling you want, including, like, peanut butter or um, the one they did on the show was Nutella. Nutella, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like it's like a rod, and you put the banana on it, and it, like, hollows it out, and then there's a separate mechanism that you can, like, squeeze the whatever into it, and so when you chop the banana up or you just bite into it, there's a filling in the banana. Huh. And I was really like, they just like loved it. Like they were like, oh my God, this is so not, they, not that they loved the invention, but they were like, this tastes so good. Yes. yes. And it got me like, now I want to eat a banana filled with Nutella. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I mean, chocolate and banana, Nutella and banana, peanut butter and banana. I love peanut butter and banana together. Hmm. Um, we bought, we, you bought a, an ice cream maker a couple of summers ago. Yeah. And I, made, I mean, banana I made, has been my recommended, yeah, I made my banana. requested flavor from you. Like, <laughs> yeah. can you please make banana ice cream? And, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is at my job, when we have meetings, we often do icebreakers, which are just like funny, silly little questions um, that we go around the room and say, hi, my name is Jordan and I work in this department, blah, blah, blah. And one of the most contentious icebreakers we ever did was somebody showed a ring of bananas oh. starting with like basically green yeah. all the way around the ring to basically black. Yeah. And you had to answer like, when is a banana best to eat? Yeah. And that's a really hard question though, because you really need more context best to eat for what? I think just somebody, you're, somebody says you have to eat a whole banana right now. Which one right. are you going to pick? Sure. I would pick somewhere past the point of it being all yellow. I would want to have like, a little few brown spots on it. So like a seven? So let's say it's like ten six. ten black and one green? Sure, seven. Seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. I would go with more like three or four. Really? Oh, they're like woody then. Uh, they can be. They're too mm -hmm. firm or like there's like a 
a fuzzy texture to them that I just can't. See, I once they start to get a little bit brown or mushy. black, they get mushy and they get like greasy in a way that I just like. Mm, no, I need them to be a little firmer. No, once it's a little bit brown, it's always surprising how, how much sweeter they are. They are. They get too sweet. I need them to be just a little bit less sweet. Almost, they're, they're not tart. Like bananas mm. are never tart, but like there's a little bit more. I don't know acidity to it or something. No, it's woody. I mean, that's that's the texture I'm talking about in terms of taste. Did anyone like it when it was totally black? I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. But or green. Listeners, weigh in. What stage of the banana is best to eat? Yeah. All right. Great recommendation. Thank you. <laughs> it's right up there with pajamas. Hey, we had a listener buy their wife a pair of pajamas because I recommended pajamas. <laughs> so pajamas and bananas. But oh, oh, here we go. Bananas in pajamas are coming down the stairs. All right. I'm going to recommend two shows featuring David Cross. I like David Cross a lot as a comedic actor. I'm not quite as much of a fan of his stand-up. I know that's probably what he sort of thinks of as his, like, main skill, like his bread and butter is stand-up. But, um... I like him as a comedic actor. So the classic one is Mr. Show. Have you and I watched Mr. Show together? Mm -mm. This was a sketch show that was on for four seasons on HBO, right around this time, actually, Uh, maybe a little bit later. So he and Bob Odenkirk, who was Saul on Better Call Saul, just a series of interconnected sketches that also had a bunch of other funny people. Uh, Very early on, Paul F. Tompkins, Scott Ackerman, Brian Posehn. People like that. I watched it, I would say, about 10 years ago for the first time and just loved it. Just, I just thought it was hilarious. So uh, if you have not seen that, it, it it does hold up. It's very funny. It's right up there with Kids in the Hall in terms of like classic alternative sketch comedy. Kids in the Hall, The State, Mr. Show. Mad TV. Get out of here. I liked Mad TV. <laughs> So the other one I would recommend is an IFC show that was on a few years ago. Um, There are two seasons. It's called The Increasingly Poor Decisions of Todd Margaret. So David Cross plays a character named Todd Margaret, who's from Seattle. He tells a lie about being from Leeds, England, Mm -hmm. and is sent on assignment there. And he just keeps telling just enough of a lie to get him into a little bit more of a scrape. And so he just keeps lying and lying and lying. And finally he literally ends up like starting a nuclear war. <laughs> and so it's called the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret. Cause that's literally what it is. Him just making Aww. terrible decisions over and over again, but you don't feel bad for him. Cause he's such a dumb prick that you're just kind of like, what are you doing? But, uh, it's an IFC show, so they're like eight episodes or something, each a half hour, very quick to go through. Um, and then, you know, like I said at the end, there's you're thinking there's no way they could, like this is just a one season thing. There's no way they're going to do another one. And then they had an idea for a way to make it work for a second season. So there actually is a second season. And if you do watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's really hard to explain, but... Um, yeah, great performances from David Cross in that, as well as Will Arnett. So I just checked it out. I did watch that show on Netflix. It doesn't look like it's on Netflix now, but you can stream it on Amazon Prime. And Mr. Show is streaming on HBO Max. All right. 
Now is the point in the show where we talk about our favorite moment from the episode. Oh, definitely. When uh, Theo ran through his magic tricks and left Beth with a bunny. That was good. Yeah, you stole mine because mine is probably when ah. Mr. James or he has handed the bunny and says, you smell. That's really good. Um, I really like the scene where Dave and Lisa and Bill and Matthew are all kind of standing around arguing about Joe. And Matthew steps up and says, six sheep, six sheep, six sheep. That makes me laugh. All right. Those are our favorite moments. Now's the point in the show where we rate. Keelin, you have the scale this week. Magic mouth coins, Jordan. So on a scale from one to five magic mouth coins, what would you give this episode? I'd give it a three. It was solid. Not more, not less. Okay. I would give it a 3.9. Oh, you really liked it. Oh, I really liked this one. Yep. Hmm. I just thought it was nice to have the two different plots that were not totally separate, but had people coming in and out, kind of bouncing off of each other. Yeah, I just didn't care about the one with Joe on the radio. Uh, Joe himself being on the radio was not that funny or interesting, but people's reaction to him was. I like seeing Bill frustrated and annoyed. I like seeing Matthew kind of huffy and pissy about mm. <laughs> not not getting to be on the radio. Okay. And that is it for this episode. For next time, we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 17, entitled Physical Graffiti. How many more episodes are there? We have five episodes left in this season. Whew. Okay. Yeah. Do you like, remember when we started Season 2 and I had no idea that there were, like, what, 22 episodes or something? Yeah. It's like running a marathon. Yeah. And then you have to run three more afterward. <laughs> I think it's picking up as we're going along. I think they're getting easier to watch. I think they're not as... Honestly, when I did the commentary episode last week, even though I was listening to the commentaries, I was like, man, some of these are kind of hard to watch. Like, these are... Mm -hmm. Season one is not as pleasurable. And now I think we're getting into episodes that are like, oh, these are more fun. These are lighter. These are, you know, Mm -hmm. more enjoyable. That's my sense. Maybe you agree. Maybe you don't. I'll save that for the season two wrap up. All right. You know what I think. Great. I think that's all from us this week. As always, reach out to us on social media or email or any other way you would like to let us know. Send us a letter. Mm -hmm. You know our address in real life. Don't send us. (laughs) Stay away from us. (laughs) You can contact me virtually, but don't get near me in real life. (laughs) All right. Jordan's only outgoing on the radio. That's exactly right. (laughs) For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJP Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at wkjppod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening.
five out of ten, five out of ten. Here we go, Kayleen, five out of ten. You're not good at trivia like your husband, but you do your best. Five out of ten. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. 